What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Remember the Game. It is my retro gaming podcast where every week a buddy of mine and I sit down and we geek out about the games we played back in the day. My name is Adam Blank. Thank you so much for listening to the show. And this week it is episode 194, and we're going way back to 1989 and talking about a game that's probably older than a sizable portion of the listeners that we have here at Remember the Game Industries. Uh, we're talking Dragon Warrior for the NES, which you may know as Dragon Quest, because that's what the series goes by these days. If you've ever played Dragon Quest 8, Dragon Quest 11, Dragon Quest Builders, anything Dragon Quest, this is where it all started. And if you're new to my podcast, we don't do a ton of history lessons around here. I don't claim to be a walking encyclopedia, video game knowledge, or anything like that. But this game, Dragon Warrior, is one of the forefathers of of the JRPG. I don't know if it's the first one or anything. It probably isn't, but it is up there. This is a trailblazer and it is very, very, very basic. And that's why I love it. And I shouldn't love this game. Really? I I could take or leave JRPGs as a whole. I like my JRPGs to have a good story, which this doesn't have. I hate when they have random encounters, which this game does have. It's grindy as all fuck. That's really all you do in this game is grind. It can be confusing without a walkthrough on where you're supposed to go. You're almost certainly going to get killed at some point and lose a bunch of progress. If you play it on the original NES, you can't just save anywhere you want. This game should be taking Echo the Dolphin levels of shit from me. But you know what? It doesn't. It isn't. It won't. It's not going to. There's no Angry Adam this week. I played this game as a kid, and there's just something about it that clicks with me deep in my soul. I have a connection to this game. I fucking love it. It is also the only Dragon Quest game I have ever played, so don't yell at me if I have no idea what's in future Dragon Quest games or anything like that. Um, my guest this week returning to the show is my good buddy, the gentleman of Remember the Game Industries and fellow comedian, fellow podcaster, my buddy David Ray. Uh, You may remember him from episodes like Duck Hunt and Shining Force. And uh, he experienced Dragon Warrior for the first time getting ready for this episode. And while he doesn't love it like I love it, we can both agree that it's just beautiful in its simplicity. There's something about it. And we're going to get there in just a minute. Because speaking of simple things that are oddly beautiful, it's time for yet another edition of the Remember the Game infamous intro. And if you're new to the podcast, welcome aboard. Consider this your warning. Our intros are a little long. They're, they're kind of beefy, but they're fun. Our intros are like the very first part of Dragon Warrior, where nothing's really going to kill you, and you're just hammering slimes and banking gold. That is, that's the early part of the show, minus the gold, but extra slime. Uh, and if you do want to skip the intro, go about 30 minutes from now, and you'll get into the conversation. But hang around. We talk video games and stuff. It's fun. Uh, we have I got to get my plug out of the way. I'll get it done once it's done. We have merchandise, hoodies, t-shirts, coffee mugs, all kinds of stuff posters rocking badass art all of our merch was designed by my man joe you can check him out at 4545creative.com and you can check out our merchandise at rememberthegamepodcast.com if you're interested it is a great way to support the little guy here at remember the game industries and if you're like meh 
Close, not for me. I'm a naked person myself. Well, then you can always just consider throwing us the change out of your couch over on Patreon because for just two bucks a month, you get two extra podcasts every week, every Thursday and every Friday, additional podcasts. You'll get exclusive access to my gaming news show, Game Patch, every Friday morning where I look at all the biggest news from the last week in the world of modern video games. I add in my opinions and some profanity and stuff. And then Expansion Pass goes live every Thursday and it's a different podcast every week we do rankings we look back at characters we talk about consoles we do some comedy episodes there's video game reviews in there this past week on expansion pass i did just that i dropped my spoiler free review of horizon forbidden west it might have been my most anticipated game of 2022 coming into the year top three for sure i spent a ton of time with it i've rolled the credits and i'm finally ready to tell you if it lived up to my lofty expectations and as is becoming tradition during the intro here this is a sneak peek of last week's episode of expansion pass my spoiler free horizon forbidden west review most of your missions in this game come down to combat you either have to go fight humans uh you know from a different tribe or whatever or you've got to go fight these fucking giant robot dinosaurs and despite the amount of variety when it comes to different weapons and different strategies and stuff it does start to get a little bit repetitive i think which is the same way i felt with the first one i went from like i gotta fight every fucking dinosaur i find because when you kill them you can strip them down for parts that you can use to upgrade equipment and stuff like that and i went from like i gotta kill every robot i find to being like oh that's a new robot that i've never seen before i'll kill that one to being like fuck it i'm just gonna sneak around these people and not fight any of them by the end of the game i wasn't fighting anybody that i didn't have to because i was just bored of fighting and it's it's really fun it just makes you do a a lot of it and i did start to get bored of it by the end it does start to feel very very repetitive So that's now available to all of our Patreons over in our archives. And this week for Expansion Pass number 107, I'm going right back to the review well and talking about the new Sonic movie, Sonic the Hedgehog 2. I liked the first one quite a bit for what it was. I like Knuckles. This movie is setting the box office on fire and that's all great. But is the movie any good? Uh, We'll have a listen to Expansion Pass tomorrow and find out. That review will be spoiler free as well. All of my modern reviews are spoiler free and then I tack a short spoiler cast on at the end. But I warn you like a million times before the spoilers start uh, so you're safe anytime you want to listen to one of my modern reviews so that'll be going live tomorrow for all of our patrons again two bucks get you two extra podcasts a week plus instant access to about 200 archived podcasts plus access to our remember the game discord you get the chance to vote in our patreon poll at the beginning of every month you get the ability to submit comments to be read on all of our shows including playing play one remake one erase one and you get a shout out and you get to hear me mispronounce your name like i'm about to do to most of these people a huge and i am gonna fuck some of these names up but a huge thank you to all of our newest patrons jason mcgovern nailed it brad blair got it professor white t nailed it esteban navarro think i got that one joey wilshinsky that's where shit went off the rails sorry joey rhinoxide Rui palma catch k-h catch i like that one eric rivera jim frederick lindstrom josh stone bryce larson Gurdonator19, Swanee 41 Brent Scott, Mailer07, Chris Williams, Dan Page, Oroku Saki's Gardener, love that, Matthew Taylor, Jeremy Savage, Trademark101, and Adam Pucky. 
I hope I didn't fuck up too many of your names, but thank you all so much and welcome to Remember the Game Industries. And to wrap up my sales pitch, the only time I'm going to plug it to the end of the episode, 5% of our Patreon income every month gets donated to our Remember the Children 24-hour charity stream at the end of the year. That money's going to go to the Stollery Children's Hospital here in Edmonton. So not only are you supporting the little independent content creator, getting a ton of extra content, you're throwing a little money at the kids too. We're at $700 or so already being donated and we're four months into the year. So things are going great over there. Patreon.com slash remember the game. Thank you so much. And if you're interested, you can find me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash remember the game. I never bug you for subs or anything. I just play video games over there and you can come by and see my dumb nose and uh, we'll have, we'll be friends. So twitch.tv slash member the game. If you're interested, that's enough blowing myself. Let's blow some cartridges by blowing some of you. It is our opening segment here on the show. I read a few comments and questions from our patrons, usually gaming related, but not always. And we call this segment blowing in the cartridge. He blows. All right. He blows big time. That's it. Honey, get into the spirit. Ah. Let's blow. And listen, before I get to our first blower this week, I just have to take a quick moment to blow myself and thank all of you for giving me the opportunity to do it. Um, According to the website Chartable, which from how I've read and understood is fairly uh, accurate in its rankings. Remember the game was officially for the first time ever over the Easter weekend, the number one most downloaded, most listened to video game podcast in Canada over on Apple Podcasts. We've got to about 15th in the US before. I think we've cracked 8th over in the UK, but we were the number one video game podcast in Canada. And as a Canadian myself, I am so fucking proud of that. I'll no, no one can take that away from me. When I eventually get canceled, and I'm sure I will someday, I can be like, at one time I hosted the number one video game podcast in the country. And that's fucking awesome. So just from the bottom of my big, fat, sweaty heart, thank you all so much for making that happen. I really, really appreciate it. Okay, thank you. Let's blow. Our first blower this week is Hall of Famer LP Cole, who wrote in and said, Hey, Mr. Blank, for someone new to Game Pass, what are your top three non-sport game suggestions cheers and keep up the good work uh cole uh i would i would definitely recommend trying the halo and gears series if you haven't i'm not going to use those as my top three picks i just feel like that's basically xbox's mario and zelda um or what would be the playstation equivalent of those now what are the top two playstation ips I know someone's going to be like, uh, Pokemon is actually a top two for Anyway, it doesn't, anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, definitely try Halo and Gears. But those aside, my top three picks on Game Pass that aren't sports games off the top of my head, uh, Slay the Spire, the unofficial official game of Remember the Game Industries. We're going to talk about that game more in just a second. It is a semi-roguelike card combat game that never, it's, I don't like card games where I have to build a deck and constantly tweak the deck and stuff. You get a brand new deck every time you play it. It is one of my favorite video games of all time. I'm also going to shout out Hollow Knight, which might be the best Metroidvania that I've ever played. It was my game of the year a few years ago, and that is over on Game Pass. And uh, I was going to go with Doom Eternal. But I'm going to shout out Hades because I think everybody knows Doom. Not everybody knows Hades. Hades is a roguelike, isometric, like hack and slash action game that is just fucking superb. So Hollow Knight, Slay the Spire, and Hades. Those will be my three for anyone wondering what I would recommend off Game Pass. There you go. Thanks for writing in, Cole. Good luck and enjoy Game Pass, buddy. Uh, speaking of Slay the Spire, Doogie 
wrote into us and said, you son of a bitch. I mean this in both a positive and a negative way. Over all the episodes I've listened to, I've heard you talk about Slay the Spire many times, but I never really had a desire to play it because it didn't seem like a game that would interest me. A couple episodes ago on the Sonic episode, I heard you discussing it again and that it was available for free on PS Plus this month. It still is, by the way, if you're listening to this in April. So I figured, what the hell? And I downloaded it. I've now sunk 25 hours into this game in about a week. I can't stop playing it it's so addictive so fun and also just so infuriating at the same time this hot dog cannot get enough i know i started this note off being a little blunt but seriously thank you for talking about this game this is why i love your podcast because i get to geek out on all the games we grew up playing but it's also introduced me to many games i've never tried and those even in genres i've never thought about keep rocking that mic and turning out these awesome episodes well thank you doogie and yes i am just going to take one more i listen i'm not sponsored by them i don't get one red cent from the sales of Slay the Spire, but I've probably sold 100 copies of that fucking game at this point. It is available on everything. It is on Game Pass. It is a free game on PS Plus this month. It is a card combat game. You just heard me explain it to Cole. You don't have to build a deck. It is one of... My girlfriend has put about a trillion hours into it on her iPad now. She can't stop playing it. It's one of my favorite games of all time. It is so good. For the love of Christ, try Slay the Spire. If you've got access to it, please. And you can thank me fucking later. In non-Slay the Spire stories, Old Man Jim wrote in and said, uh, I recently got myself a PS5, finally. I didn't get it through a retailer, but through someone online. It came with Ratchet and Clank, and don't worry, I actually got it for a great deal, no scalper prices. And I gotta say, it's such an amazing system, and the controller is out of this world. It fits in my hand, and it feels incredible. It's gotta be in my top three favorite controllers of all time, GameCube, Xbox 360, and PS5. Yeah, I just wanted to... I like that comment because it's nice to hear that somebody's persistence paid off and they finally got their hands on a PS5. And I just finished playing Horizon Forbidden West on my PS5. And I just want to give a shout out to that controller as well. I, I play PlayStation the least of my big three consoles and I'm not shitting on PlayStation or anything. I just, I like Nintendo. And then usually if something's on two consoles, I'll play it on Xbox. But the PS5's DualSense controller is is simply spectacular. It might might just be the greatest video game controller of all time. It might be. And I don't want anyone coming in here being like, ah, oh, well, uh, what about the fucking GameCube? The GameCube's a great controller. I love the Xbox controller as a whole. I actually have loved every PlayStation controller. I thought the PS4 controller in particular was great, but the PS5 controller is the PS4 controller of fucking steroids. The only thing that I don't like as much about the PS5 controller is I prefer the offset analogs like you find on like an Xbox controller as opposed to putting them side by side at the bottom. I prefer mine one high, one low, but that's just nitpicking. It is such a great controller. So I agree with you, old man, Jim, and I'm glad you're digging your PS5, buddy. Congrats on finally getting one. That's awesome. Uh, Dark White 73 wrote in and said, Hey Adam, as a Turtles fan, have you watched Batman versus the TMNT? A buddy of mine showed it to me and I found it very entertaining. I really enjoyed this movie's portrayals of Batman, his allies, and the Shredder with his design pulled straight from the 80s cartoon, but by far the best part of this movie was the Turtles. While I normally get a hard-on for Jerk Raph, especially in the 03 cartoon, I felt Michelangelo stole the show with his audience-standing character personality. While there are some parts you might find annoying or confusing, it's definitely a must-watch for any Batman or Turtles fan yes i have seen it i actually bought it the day it came out i bought it on like you know itunes or whatever the fuck it was um cartoon if you've never seen it, it's animated i've probably watched it half a dozen times it's really good and i agree actually michelangelo uh who i often i like mikey he's my second favorite turtle but i've always felt that he's the least um he has the least depth of the four of them and he brought the heat 
in Batman versus TMNT. I thought he was the, he stole the show. I agree 1 million percent. I thought he was fucking excellent in that movie. So yeah, if you're a fan of Ninja Turtles or Batman, check out Batman versus TMNT. It's really fucking good. Also, Dark White, shout out to Raph in the O3 cartoon. The O3 cartoon is the best cartoon of the four. And I, I really like 2012, but O3 is the best cartoon of the four. And Raph is excellent in that series. I agree. Fucking Raph. Uh, thank you for writing in, buddy. Mitch Mellett wrote in and said, got into this podcast to find out more about what games to buy for my recently acquired NES, SNES, and Nintendo 64, but I found out afterwards about your comedy career, which is really cool. I have a few few comedians whose podcasts I listen to, but I'm from Indianapolis. Do you have any not-so-local comedians you really like? And if so, do you notice any difference between comedy scenes in different countries? Do you find yourself listening locally more than anything else? So I have kind of talked about this before, but it's been a while. In case you're new to the show and you don't know, I am a professional comedian. I say that in air quotes because because like I pay my bills with comedy, but I don't consider myself a professional. Um, but I am I am a yeah I'm a touring working professional stand up comedian from Edmonton, Canada. And um, truth be told, uh, Mitch, I don't listen to a lot of stand up at all. I don't listen to. I only watch a couple specials a year. I don't really listen to their podcasts. I don't know why. I don't know if it's because I just feel like I already do that so much with my time that I don't dedicate more time to it. Part of me is afraid of accidentally lifting a joke off of somebody else's, like listening to the, like I used to listen to Bill Burr's podcast all the time, but that dude riffs on everything. And I'm afraid that something will stick in my brain and I'll end up lifting it and using it as a joke. And then finding out I stole it from Bill Burr. So I don't listen to very many. Uh, You did ask, do I notice any differences between comedy scenes? I've only ever performed in Canada. I'm actually not allowed to perform in the U.S. without a work uh, visa because I do get asked that a lot if I'm ever going to come to the States. I'm not allowed to. Um, One thing that I have noticed, as far as I can tell, um, comedians from Europe, like over in the U.K., are a lot more dry than comedians here. That seems to be the big difference. I don't see there being too much of a difference between Canadian comedians and American comics other than obviously... You know, the topical stuff we talk about, our Monopoly money and our legalized pot and, uh, you know, hockey and Canadian comics or American comics talk about, I don't know, Amer- <laughs> I, I mean, American stuff, Donald Trump and I don't, what the fuck, I don't know what the fuck you guys, I don't know, whatever, they talk about American stuff. So I do see that, but I have found that, yeah, um, European comedians, some of them are a little bit not stuck up. I don't mean it to sound like they're stuck up. They're just much more... Um, um, very dry. And I like that. I appreciate that humor. Um, but that's really all I've noticed. I'm, I'm a very unknowledgeable comedian as far as pro comics go. So I'm sorry if that was kind of a weak answer. But thank you for writing in, Mitch. Uh, a couple more here. We'll wrap the segment up. Chris Pynchon wrote in and said, hey, dude, let's talk about Canadian beer. As an American, prior to moving to Canada, I had an image in my head that Canadians were proud beer drinkers and had amazing beers to share with the world. Then I moved here. I get presented with Kokanee, Pilsner, Molson Canadian, and various others that have left me very disappointed in the state of Canadian beer. The only ones I don't mind are Alexander Keith's, Rickards, and surprisingly, AGD. Do I have a misguided understanding of Canadian beers, or is my palate just so sophisticated that I can't drink what mere mortals drink? Truth be told, I don't drink a ton of beer. Chris, I'm a whiskey guy myself, but I used to drink beer, and uh, I agree, dude. Most of the big-name brands, like Molson Canadian, Pilsner, Kokanee, I think they fucking suck, quite frankly. I think they suck even more in the South, in the U.S. Like, I go down there, and some of your beer's like 4%. And I'm like, how the fuck do you guys even drink this? Goddamn water. Uh, Alexander Keese isn't terrible. The only big-name brand beer I drink with any regularity these days is MGD, Miller Genuine Draft. Otherwise... Um, I know I'm going to sound like a fucking hippie with a scarf and a fucking 
charcuterie board under his arm. But like, I don't think our mainline beers are much better than America's. Venture off the beaten path, get creative and try out some local brews. Local breweries are the best beers you're going to find. It's I'm telling you, it's fucking night and day, night and day. Doesn't matter where you are in the country. There's probably a local brewery making some of the best. I only, it's all I really drink anymore. I don't buy the big name beers hardly at all anymore. Uh, I would rather buy, you know, some IPAs or some local uh, some local wobbly pops and go there. So don't fucking don't, don't judge us on Molson Canadian. That shit's garbage. Fucking drink some craft beer and thank me later that you did. It's worth the extra money. Plus it gets up to like six, seven, eight, 9%. And that's, Oh, that's the good stuff. Uh, thanks for writing in buddy. Delhi 16 said, Hey, Mr. Blank. My question is if you could be amazing at playing any type of video game, which would you pick? Would it be a shooter and you'd be a call of duty legend or maybe be one of the best fighting game players of all time? Or, you know, whatever tickles your fancy. Uh, honestly, Delhi, it'd be fighting games. No, no, I didn't even really think about it. If I could instantly be amazing, like top level quality at any fighting or at any type of video game, it'd be fighting games. Cause I am beyond scrub bottom level quality. And I admire the way good fighting game players play their fighting games. So that's, I would instantly just be like world-class fighting game. Oh, that'd be, God, that'd be so much cooler than being good at fucking Mario Kart. <sighs> anyway, thanks Deli. Finally. Before we move on, it's letter time. It's letter time. Michael Matthews wrote in and said, Hey, Adam, I love this podcast, and it's totally yours to take in any direction you would like. However, I'm extra glad this week to see you going back to actual old-school gaming. This, alongside the Sonic the Hedgehog and Gunsmoke episodes, have been the ones that I've looked forward to the most amid the rush of largely mid-2000s games lately. Again, I'm a huge fan of the podcast. This is all constructive criticism, and me just stating the truly retro games are what keep me coming back. Uh, thanks, Michael, for sharing that. It's... So for anyone that's newer to the show, um, it was a very hot topic around here for a long time, whether or not we were ever going to cover the occasional PS3, Xbox 360, Wii game. And I don't even cover a ton of Xbox, GameCube, PS2 games. And the reason for that is because I kind of got out of gaming in the early 2000s. I was in my young 20s. I was going to the bars. I missed a lot of PS2 games in particular. So I'm slowly, the reason we've been churning out more of those is because those are the games I'm trying to spend more time playing that I've never played before to get caught up because I know they're popular and people have been requesting them and I want to fill those voids. The other thing that I have to keep in mind myself sometimes, and I mentioned this right off the top, some of our listeners, the PS2 is their NES. You know, they grew up with an Xbox, like some of us grew up with a Sega Genesis, right? Like you could be, dude, if you, if you're like, if we're in the year 22, 2022. So if you were born, say you were born in 1998, you're 24 this year, but you were like, if you were 1998 kid, then in like 2004, you were like five, six years old. That's when I had my NES. So if you had a PS2, then to you, it's, you're as nostalgic for the PS2 than I am for the NES. So I really... I, and like, I've really opened my mind to that and I'm really trying to walk the line. And there are going to be weeks like this where we go back to the NES, the original Sega Genesis, stuff like that. There are going to be weeks where we do more Xbox 360 and PS3 games. Uh, I really am trying to cover all bases. So if there's a system or something that you've been like, dude, do more of those games, do more of the old ones, do more of the new ones. I promise you, I'm trying to do all of them because at the end of the day, they're all retro to somebody, right? Like I, to me, I've always said to me, the definition of a retro game is something you played in high school or further back. Once you get to be, you know, late twenties, early thirties or older than that. So anyway, thank you, Michael, for the feedback. I appreciate it, buddy. Thank you for listening. And thank you to all of you for the submissions. I appreciate it, but we got to keep this train rolling. So let's uh, switch things up and let's get into our smash hit segment, the official game show of remember the game industries, play one, remake one, erase one.
And a huge thank you to Classic Concentration from the NES for unknowingly providing us with the theme music for the show. The rules are simple. Every week, I give our patrons three retro video games. They can play one as it was released, remake one as a modern game, and the third game is erased from time forever. And as always, there are no wrong answers, but there is a right one. We'll get there in just a minute. And this week, I figured we're talking an NES RPG and Dragon Warrior, so I went with three more of them, albeit not tried and true JRPGs. Uh, we got Willow. We got Star Tropics, and we got Crystallis. Crystallis? I don't know how you pronounce that. I'm going with Crystallis. That's how I'm going to say it. 35% of you voted to play Crystallis, remake Star Tropics, and erase Willow. And I almost went that way myself. Very close. And then I decided to go in a different order. So let's see what a few of you have to say here, and then I'll tell you what the right answer was. Cheesehead West wrote in and said, Play Crystallis. I never played it before, so why not remake or why not play it? Remake Star Tropics, the only one of these three I have played. So I'll remake it into a triangle strategy slash octopath traveler start of art style and then erase Willow. Movie games usually suck, and that box offer that box art makes me want to punt a raccoon. <laughs> so it gets erased. That's fun. <laughs> That's, I don't understand the hate of the raccoon. I don't even think it's that bad of box art. There's way worse box art on the NES than fucking Willow. Look at Mega. And I love Mega Man, but that original box art is P-U. Willow. Wow. Okay. Erasing Willow because of the box art. Fair enough. Um, Gernard, Gernardinator. 19, not the first Gernardinator, the 19th, wrote in and said, I'd play Willow because it was an awesome game. It was an awesome game. Remake Star Tropics as it deserves a remake and Erase Crystallis as I never played it and based off the gameplay, it looks very meh. All right, I can live with that logic and I appreciate that you said Willow is awesome because Willow, I didn't play a lot of Willow, but I do remember thinking Willow was awesome as well. Uh, Jason Bedineski wrote in and said, play Star Tropics. It's a great game for the NES platform, and it's fun for people to get into retro gaming. Remake Crystallis. I haven't played it before, but it looks like it's story and art design from the Miyazaki film Nasika of the Valley of the Wind. You're on fucking double secret probation for fucking putting that in there, Jason. You know goddamn well that I can't say that word, Nasika. But it's got two A's, and the second A has the two dots on top. So what is that, Nasika? Ah, of the Valley of the Wind. I Double C... Fuck. I'm not even finishing your fucking comment. You said you race Willow because you stayed up till 5 a.m. trying to beat it. Well, now you're going to stay up till 5 a.m. trying to figure out how to get off double secret probation in my fucking book. Throwing a goddamn word like Nasika into my fucking... Oh, I didn't notice that when I fucking picked your comment. Or you wouldn't... Whoa. Double secret probation. Blindy from the Optional Boss Podcast said, Play Crystallis because I haven't, even though I own it, and it's always been brought up within my group of friends. I'd remake Star Tropic, just an up Star Tropics. Just an update is fine. Keep it 2D, change it to 16-bit, adjust the controls and difficulty accordingly. I love it. And Erase Willow. Sad that it's Capcom, and Capcom usually delivers on quality, especially back in the day, but I just haven't heard of it. And I can't erase Star Tropics, and I really want to play Crystallis. You've never heard of Willow? Man, that's wild. It's... I can't believe how many people are throwing shade at Willow. And, like, I'm not going to sit here and die on the hill of Willow, but it's a good fucking game, man. People need to show a little bit of love. Shawsome One. Shawsome One knows what's up. This one is easy for me. I'd play Willow because it was my first ever RPG, and I love it to death. I'd remake Star Tropics. This game is definitely slept on, and it's in my book as a top-tier classic. And I'll remake, uh, or a remake for this game is well worth it and deserved. And I'd erase Crystallis. This game just didn't appeal to me at all. Fair enough. Dude, nobody, like, fucking everybody loves Star Tropics. You're not seeing a lot of Star Tropics hate around here, which I like. 
Uh, and Bryce Larson wrote in and said, first time playing as a new Patreon. For the record, you're not always going to get read when you put that in there, but I feel like some of you have figured out that if you put that, oh, it's the first time, you're probably going to get my fucking attention. And that worked flawlessly, Bryce Larson. Well played. Bryce said, first time playing as a new Patreon, and thank God this one is easy. Play Star Tropics, since to this day, it is a top three NES game for me. The dungeons are super fun and not nearly as frustrating as some of its other console brethren. In today's age, the story would probably feel played out with every other game involving alien conspiracies, however. Remake Willow, mainly because if anything, it calls back to the story's welcome and the prospect of getting anything else film or game-wise is saucy as fuck. And Erase Crystalis, because I played it far too late and I've never been able to get into it. I like the Star Tropics love. I don't know if I would say that their dungeons aren't nearly as frustrating as some other ones because the end of that game is fucked, but I do like Star Tropics. Uh, a whopping 13% of you went the same way I did this week, including High Plains Drifter, who said, play Crystalis. I have great memories of that game. I'm going to remake Willow. That movie holds a lot of member berries for me, and that Princess Bride VHS pretty much got wore out at our house. And then erase Star Tropics. I just flat out hate that game. Big whoop, want to fight about it? In a perfect harmonious world, harmonious world, we'd all just play Echo the Dolphin all day, every day. I'll go see myself to double secret probation. Yeah, you fucking will, High Plains, you fucking drifted sack of shit. Um, but I would go in the same order, very reluctantly. And before all of you yell at me for erasing Star Tropics, Listen to the logic. I'm going to play Crystalis because I haven't. You all know I don't like to erase games I've never played. And I actually think it looks a little bit like an 8-bit Link to the Past. I love top-down action RPGs. It looks right up my alley. I would like to play it. And then I'm going to remake Willow. And I struggled for a good five minutes on this between remaking Willow and Star Tropics. And it's just... Everybody hates on Willow. And I really liked that game when I was a kid. And maybe it sucks and I don't remember it properly because I haven't played it in a long time. It's... Fuck. It's just then I got to erase... Star Trop. You know what? You know what? For the first time ever, I'm going to change my order. I'm going to go with the majority. I'm going to remake Star Tropics just because I can't bring myself to erase that fucking game. All I would do in a remake is make the end of it less obnoxiously difficult because fuck the spaceship. And I'm going to erase Willow. And I don't want to. It's just you're not Star Tropics. First time I've ever done that. I'm changing the order that I wrote in my notes. Play Crystalis, remake Star Tropics. I'm sorry, Willow, because I like you, but you're not Star Tropics. Once I play Crystalis, then maybe I'll erase it and keep Willow. But anyway, there you go. Thank you to everyone that played. What have I been up to over the last seven days? And then we'll get into talking Dragon Warrior. Uh, I've been playing Final Fantasy Tactics, getting ready for episode 200. I'm keeping my cards very close to the chest, so I'm not telling you anything. I've also been playing a ton of Kirby and the Forgotten Land. I'll be dropping a review on that in Expansion Pass in another week or so. Uh, I'm impressed, man. I'm not a big Kirby fan, but Kirby and the Forgotten Land is really fucking good. So I've been blown away by it. Uh, I mean, I've also been playing Castle of Illusions starring Mickey Mouse on the Sega Genesis as it won this month's Patreon poll. So I'm playing it, getting ready for the show. I think it's good. Not quite great, but I think it's good. Definitely better than some of the other platformers I've played in that area. But any, I'll say more of that for the show as well. It's it's good. It's, it's very averagely, maybe slightly above averagely good. Anyway, let's talk Dragon Warrior, which is way better than slightly averagely good, because that's why you're all here. Uh, I like to give our listeners a few chances to share their memories of the game before my guests and I hogged the mic. Ninja Lunchbox wrote in and said, ah, my first taste of an RPG. I was probably a little too young to actually get through the game, but a few years later, I went back to it and enjoyed it. Dragon Warrior and the first Final Fantasy will always have a place in my retro library. And as you're about to hear, those two games, Dragon Warrior and Final Fantasy, are going to be attached to the hip forever. 
David and I couldn't get away from talking about the both of them. You're about to hear that. Um, Raul wrote in and said, I've recently started going through the Dragon Quest games. I beat this first one fairly recently and I loved it. I grew up with these old school JRPGs, so I didn't mind grinding my way through it. It's such a charming series and it does a good job of making you feel like you're on an adventure. I'm on to part four now and I'm excited to continue checking my way through these games. I got to play more of these at some point because I always take shit that I've only ever played the first one. Uh, Michael Katz. Kates. We have Daryl Cates here in the city. It's spelled the same way. So you're getting pronounced Cates. Michael Cates wrote in and said, as a kid, I could not beat this game. I didn't understand the concept of grinding and I got fed up with wandering into areas and getting absolutely bushwhacked by some smiling bat monster. After getting a few RPGs under my belt, I went back to this game and I really loved it. It's a bit grindy, but it's really enjoyable. I really remember the thrill of killing monsters that used to just stomp my ass into the ground before. That's what the whole game is about. Going back and fucking feeding some animals that just fed you your ass, their own ass. That's the magic. That's the secret sauce. Uh, Black Silver wrote in it. So I'd go up to the garage, listen to that sweet, scratchy hum as I press the power button on my little 19-inch CRT TV, press the power button on my NES with confidence because this cartridge hasn't been changed in a long time. Crack open a bottle of beer and spend the next few hours sipping beer while grinding away at Dragon Warrior. Great times. That's fucking, that's a great Friday night. And Navigant wrote in and said, I'm going to have to chime in on this one. Six-year-old me was lucky enough to get an NES for Christmas in the 80s. Included with the NES was a copy of Dragon Warrior, which blew my impressionable mind impressionable mind it was simple to learn and the exploration and discoveries were incredible to a kid just learning how to play video games i kept a log book with my dad so we could keep track of the dungeons important dialogue hints etc and i eventually finished it after months of playing it always felt like an accomplishment and started a lifelong hobby of gaming fast forward to this christmas my amazing girlfriend bought me a hyperkin snes slash nes console to play my old favorites and this was the first nes game i slotted into it and it's still awesome 30 years later i fucking love it i love that so many of you love this stupid game just as much as me we got so many comments about a game with practically no meat on the bowl whatsoever let's fucking do it i love it my guest david ray and i are gonna look back at dragon warrior from the nes i'm gonna cue up that music i love so so much and when it stops we're gonna look back at the debut of the dragon quest series and one of my favorite jrpgs of all time dragon warrior which originally released in north america on the nes in august of 1989 enjoy the podcast everybody the podcast let's go okay so uh joining me via the blank phone this week is a returning guest to the show a very good friend of mine the host or i guess co-host of the quantum kick flick pot i'm not editing this out we're leaving this all in that's what you get here remember the game you get the Mm -hmm. reels take two all right joining me via the blank phone this week is a very good guest of mine returning guest to the show co-host of the quantum kick flip podcast nailed it the gentleman of remember the game my buddy david ray how's it hanging man i nailed it that time well, I mean, sort of like I'm not really a co-host. I'm like ca- a cast member. I think would be a good. Way well, that to... damn it. Okay, hang on. Take three. <laughs> okay, joining me via the blank phone. <laughs> no, no. Um, we, we get it. Yeah. yeah, we'll nail it. We'll get into your. We'll we'll plug your show at the end. But uh, yeah, I haven't talked. I mean, I guess I just talked to you for like 20 minutes. But I haven't talked to you on the Ooh. podcast for a while. How's it going, buddy? Uh, yeah, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, yeah, as, as we'll get into later, we're coming to, towards the end of the first season of our our podcast. And so I'm very excited getting ready for the Fringe Festival here in Edmonton. So it's, uh, life is slowly returning to normal and I, 
and I enjoy that. It's so. exciting, right? Like it's yeah. like it's. Oh, I mean, it snowed last night, so it's freaking winter again. But like, it's kind of spring, and like festivals are coming back, and we're allowed to go outside yeah. again. And like, so like, what better way to celebrate being able to go outside again than to sit indoors and talk about a thirty-five-year-old video game? That's the way yeah, to perfect. celebrate it. Uh, yeah. So we're talking, as you probably know, everybody from the intro, the music, the title of the episode, all that stuff. We're talking Dragon Warrior. I'm going to refer to it as Dragon Warrior, despite the fact that it is technically the first Dragon Quest game. And maybe some people know it that way, because growing up, I played this on the NES and I only knew of it as Dragon Warrior. Truthfully, I was like in my 20s before I found out that this was actually the first game in the Dragon Quest series. And... Uh, before everyone yells at me, I have still never played another game in the Dragon Quest series outside of this one. This is the only one that I've played. So I'm sure there's at least two nerds that are getting mad and getting ready to send me hate letters right now. Um, but this is the only one that I have ever played. So I won't be referencing anything else in this series. So, uh, David, I'll, I'll turn the floor to you here. Have you? I know you just played this for the first time, but do you know anything about the Dragon Quest series? Or are you more experienced than me? Uh, I maybe only slightly. Uh, I think I played. I'm. I'm I think it was uh, final uh, or, or final. Oh boy! See, here that they, tells I know. you where my brain Here they goes. come. Here they come. Uh, ah. uh, Dragon Quest Ten uh, was probably like. I, I think I played it just a little bit. Okay. Uh oh no, that's not the one either. No, I'm sorry. I got my Wikipedia page because I'm like I knew that there's a couple of things on here. I'm like I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. It might have been an offshoot one because I know that there is kind of like it branched at, at different points for uh, into other styles. But like I feel like I played one other one down the line, but it was not a, a, a series that I was super keen on or anything. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So then before yeah, anyone I'm gives us you. hell, I'm with you. okay. So yeah. before anyone yells at us, we don't know <laughs> anything else about these games. Like I always imagined dragon quest versus final fantasy being like star wars versus star trek like the nerds just being like yeah. ah, well and like the thing is is like I, i'm gonna be on it and like i know this is gonna rattle some people but like this is the only dragon quest dragon warrior game i've played and um despite it's of almost ridiculous simplicity um i like it better than a lot of final fantasies that i've played this is a guilty pleasure of mine Despite the yeah. fact that I'm not a huge JRPG fan, dude, yeah. I could play this game. I could play this game for years and just never beat it. And it's just, you can, you can just put on a podcast or smoke a joint and not know what's going on and just grind to your heart's content. And that's what I love about it. It's so basic. And that's what makes it so beautiful. In my opinion, beautiful is the word for this game. It's beautiful. In my there, opinion. There, there's uh like, I, I I'm coming in on this game as like an NES expert. Like that, I feel like that's really my place. Is I uh, that's the system I grew up with. Yeah. Um, and and to play this one, it's very interesting. Like uh, I can see like why you would call it beautiful or why people have an attachment to this uh, to this game or whatever. Uh, but to me, it, my best way of describing it, it's like it's a museum exhibit for uh you know role-playing games that come after it like it it feels like it hits all of your uh it sets up everything that comes after it yeah like i know when we did the super mario brothers game it's just like oh this sets the standard for this or yeah. you know everything that comes after you can point to this game kind of a thing and so dragon quest feels like this uh my the thing that stands out to me 
is like it has some help boxes uh, that you know it tries to explain the game, but it's it, it's explains of like HP means health points and right. MP means ma- like it, it it's it's so basic. It's the first one yeah. or amongst the first ones that it has to explain what these what HP means, which is in everything else that comes afterwards, right? Yeah, I'm not gonna sit here and like. Because you all know, anyone that listens, I mean, if this is your first episode of Remember the Game, <laughs> buckle in, because this might make you go insane. Because, like, I don't know anything about video games. I'm certainly not going to sit here and pretend to be, like, a gaming historian. I don't yeah. know if this is the first JRPG. My understanding is that this is one of the first JRPGs, at least yes. on a console. And uh, It's so very it, clear. It's very, it's very clearly so, yes. yeah. Yeah, and, like, and that's what I love about it. Because you're right, this, like, Super Mario Brothers, like... Kind of set the table for platformers uh, and console yep. platformers. I guess the platformers in general. And you were my guest when we did the Shining Force episode, which like yes. I look at as kind of like it's not baby's first tactical RPG, but it's like because it's it's not an easy game, but it's a very basic, simple tactical. Like it's very bare bones tactical RPG, and that's yeah. how I feel about this one. Like this is like as bare bones if you've never played this game like this is as bare bones as a jrpg gets you get one character you can't name him the story is is a two out of ten at best you basically (laughs) just go from town to town and every time you find a new town princess yes you have to rescue the princess from a dragon and it's like almost like a spoof on rpgs in that sense and like you literally just go from town to town and every time you get to a new town you just walk around the outskirts of that town fighting enemies until you earn enough money to buy the new armor and weapon and then you move on to the next town and that's all it is yeah there's barely a, a there's barely a, like a story in amongst people like they give you some basic hints yeah about what to do uh yeah like a lot of the map is tiny like the overworld map is tiny it yeah. feels like but you know what uh, like that map is so blatantly without actually seeing it like you can kind of see it because sometimes they'll make like a wall of mountains with like a or like a river with like one bridge going across it Mm -hmm. and what they're basically telling you is like these are two different quadrants once you cross that river all bets are off the enemies are going to level up and that's a mistake that every player that plays this game makes is you're like, well, these enemies are too easy. I'm going to walk over here. And then you walk into an enemy that you've never seen before. You get massacred and you lose all the work that you've done. Like, oh, my God. Um, but I love it like that because you're right. The overworld is not big. And I, I like no. that. I really yeah. – I love it, actually. Like, uh, Yeah, like it, it does kind of give you a sense of like this game is contained in this whole map and it feels crossable. Which also makes it a little bit easier to uh, some of the more pernicious kind of aspects of the game uh, uh, are mitigated because of the fact you can see how big the map is. You know how like, oh, okay, well, I just know I need to get over there. It's not that far uh, because of all the random encounters. Yeah. Um, uh, which I'll get, like, I have some complaints about this game, and there are some certain things that I like. I kind of wish were back in games a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the th- like, this game is so basic that it goes out of its way to explain how keys work. Um, like, it explains how, oh, you use a key once, and that's it. It's a magic key, and it 
opens any lock, but then the key is gone. Like yeah. it, it made an in-world justification of what's happening. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I feel like I've played games all my life where keys are just kind of a resource that it, it's so basic and fundamental to it that you never think of it again. But this one, like, no, it, it, it makes sense. Yeah. Don't worry. But like, <laughs> there's something about it because like it's just. Like I've I've notoriously talked about how like I play JRPGs, but they're not my they're not my they're not my wheelhouse. Like they're not my ace in the hole. They're not my go to genre. But like yeah. I played the original Final Fantasy a couple years ago for this podcast, and I played it on yeah. the NES. Like I played old school Final Fantasy. And really? It was, yes, and it was uh, fun. Um, yeah. You know, it showed its age, but it was it was I enjoyed it. Um, but like in the original Final Fantasy, I'm like listen. I know we're talking Dragon Warrior, but it's impossible. Like these two series will be compared to each other forever. Like the Dragon yeah. Quest and Final Fantasy are always going to be the you know Sonic and Knuckles of RPG or whatever you want to say. Like Sonic and Mario, for example. Like they're always going to be the two the two main ones. Um, the yeah. original Final Fantasy, you have a party of four characters, and you could pick from different classes, and those characters all have different abilities, and blah 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 blah. Much bigger mm-hmm. overworld stuff like that. This is like one character, one class. He's just a knight with some magic spells. It is it is as bare bones as it gets. And I and I really do I know I've called it beautiful, but like as someone that finds big complex RPGs a little bit intimidating. I tried playing Suikoden and had to stop. Not that it's a bad game, but I was like, I'm not good enough at RPGs to play this. Like I'm overwhelmed by this. Um I was playing this game and I've I've played this game since I was a kid, and there's just something about how there's like it a really stupid example. This is like a plain peanut butter sandwich this game is literally just two pieces of bread with peanut butter in between there's no jelly there's no like chips on the side you don't get a glass of milk this is just the most basic plain sandwich you could have and sometimes it's nice to just enjoy a plain peanut butter sandwich like you don't have to think when you play this game at all the only thing you have to think about in my opinion for the most part when you play this game is how far away from the the town you're at are you willing to risk going yes you know because the further you walk away the further you have to walk back and the more susceptible you are to an untimely death Uh, oh god and and it's reflected in all the different parts too because like okay so you want to go into the tougher part now you can go back to a town that is near it that is located in the more difficult monster area instead of going all the way back to the the ba- the first town which is dead center of the map yeah um but of course to go to the inn where you can uh, heal and all that kind of thing everything costs way more yeah. uh where like so you have to there's a little bit of a, a resource management thing that happens in it um because the Unlike some systems or some games, this like you really got to pay attention to money. I, I don't. I feel for most of it, I you don't. I never felt like I had an abundance of money. Like no. I had enough money to get the next thing I needed to get. Like oh my new my new armor, my new weapon, my whatever. And then I'd be right back to okay. I don't have a lot of money again. Yeah, uh, I have to build it back up. <laughs> this game is almost like it, it, like kids should have to play this game to teach them about like managing their allowance. 
because like you go out and grind gold and then say so say the because like really the game like we'll get into some of the other facets of the game and some of the enemies and stuff but like at its bare bones is like yeah you start out in a in your in the castle at the beginning of the game the village whatever the castle village um and you fight the basic enemies around it till you run out of health then you walk back heal and you do it and grind gold until you have enough gold to buy the best weapon and armor you can and then eventually you've got to take you got to like all right we're gonna go for broke and you try to hike to the next town and once you're there you're golden because now you can heal and save and buy your new equipment stuff like that but like just to use round numbers uh say the next piece of armor and the next weapon you want to buy combined are worth 300 gold and uh staying at the inn is 15 gold and you come back to town and you're like oh man i have 205 gold so you're like i could stay at the inn but then I don't have enough to get the new armor. If I buy the new armor now, have I got enough health with that armor that I could go out and fight enough to earn enough money to go back to the gold? It's like being a kid and being like, you have a $5 allowance. You could get yourself a, a chocolate bar, but now you don't have enough to buy that comic book too. And it, like, I, I, I know that's really dumbing it down, but like, I love that mechanic. I love, I, I don't know what it is about it, man. I just, I, like I'm smiling like a little idiot just sitting here talking about this stupid basic crappy RPG because I'm like I feel like this RPG is yeah. for me. They're like you can't get you can't get confused in this one, Adam. You can't build you can't <laughs> like I'm playing Final Fantasy Tactics right now and I can't tell you how terrified I am that I'm going to get to the end of the game and find out I did all my builds wrong and I'm screwed. And in this yeah. game they're like don't worry about it. We got your builds. Just manage your gold and you'll be fine. It's so You have perfect. one guy. There's yeah. nothing to manage. Yeah. But you're right. You go back to t- like you're always out of money in this game. Like nine tenths of this game is about saving your gold uh, to buy the new equipment. And my God, do you feel the difference when you buy that new equipment? Yeah. Like, oh yeah, yeah. It's immediate. Well, <laughs> each each step up of like monsters is noticeable. Like it it's uh, because the monsters don't scale. Like this is where like I was going back uh, with this game. Why I'm kind of calling it like you know a museum exhibit for. Yeah you know, JRPGs. Cause I, uh, while we were talking here, I did look it up. This came out one year before final fantasy did. Right. And, uh, and as you're, you know, mentioning, it did seem like final fantasy looked at dragon quest and like, this is what we needed to do to improve on this style of game. Yeah. Um, and you know, obviously there's, uh, both of those games are clearly inspired by at least in part by dungeons and dragons because that would have been out for like you know uh about a decade before this sure um but this game really does take the basic approach to it because with multiple characters on your team suddenly resource management looks way different right now now it might be possible to like uh, heal up uh, via uh, one of the, your healers in your in your group. In this, you don't have that kind of option. You just you're just the basic warrior type, so you know that you can't really heal up too much. You can only take so many potions. This is one of the things I actually really liked about this game. You can't carry a lot of stuff. Yeah. You, yeah. You have. Uh, you know, you can only carry so many torches uh, and, and like. Um, uh, you know, medical herbs or whatever it was called. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, like, you can't just go on forever. You do eventually have to come back um, and, and go to the store and do all that kind of thing. Um, 
it's as much resource management as it is anything. Like when you first unlock like the cure spell and you have enough magic points to use it one time. Yeah. It's like, this is super exciting because you're like, as soon as I start running out of HP, I don't have to run back to town and go through the process Mm -hmm. of saving and everything. You're like, I can heal once, but you're like, I have one shot at this. So you want to let your HP get as low as possible before you cash it in. But you also don't want to risk like getting surprised by something and getting killed. Um, and then, like yes. you said, you can't. And they beat, it beats you on the initiative or whatever. Like it goes first, and it's like, oh well, well that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm done. Yeah, you know? it's a very risk and reward game, uh, mm-hmm. and I love that mechanic of it. Like I just, it's just, I really can't get over how like I think because like okay, I wanted to ask you because like I mm-hmm. played this on the NES like as a kid. I yeah. used to rent this game all the time. I didn't beat it until I was an adult and I used the watch. Sure. But I used to rent it as a kid and I would like mm-hmm. just sit there like an idiot and just I didn't even realize like I was like I had already played Final Fantasy 2 on the Super Nintendo before I would get my hands on this game. And then okay. I would pick this game up and I would just like love the simplicity of it and just grind away and just have fun with it. Um, mm-hmm. You you played the Switch version. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what all the differences were, but like. So I'll ask you then, like, I guess this is something we could talk about toward the end of the show. But I'm interested as someone who's a, a, a much more. Uh, much much more into RPGs and Dungeons and Dragons and this kind of game than I am. Like, is it yeah. too basic today? Like, would you like? Did you think it's like? Would you would you think it's boring for someone? Uh, today? Yeah, like it, like I'm even trying to think of th- this game. Really, is Final Fantasy for kids for children because right. there's not a. This would be uh, I, I could see this opening up some kid's mind like just like how uh, shining force opened up my mind to dungeons and dragons and fantasy and right. all that kind of stuff i can see this game being this a similar kind of a thing but it is very basic and it, it, it is um the more annoying qualities of it is that it is very reliant on grinding like oh. you, re- you can you cannot not grind no because the math is just not there to just like oh straight shot it to the next town get your armor straight shot it to the dungeon uh get the thing come back to the town like you have to kind of do multiple trips yeah attempting the dungeon because the dungeon's like a maze uh and you only have a limited uh you don't see very much you need your torch to kind of like light up a little bit more of the maze yeah but you don't. It's it's difficult to get a sense of the layout unless you go through it and figure out the maze, and you have to memorize the maze, especially once you run out of torches and uh, hit points. And I was like, okay, I got to start, you know, walking my way out so I don't die before, you know, uh, and lose all my stuff. Yeah, um, and there's no like, if this isn't Final Fantasy where like you have tents where you can leave yes. the cave, use a tent, heal up, save, and go back in. Like, yeah, you. This game is very much like when you set out from the town and you go to take on the next dungeon or whatever, like it's one thing to be walking around the town grinding, but when you set out for that dungeon, you have, like you mentioned already, like you have a very finite amount of resources. And when they run out, like you, it's, it becomes like, not only do you need to have enough to get into the dungeon, but you'll get about halfway through that dungeon and you have to make a decision. Like, yes, have I got enough to get back to town? Because if yep. I don't, there's no saving unless you're playing it somewhere where you have save states or something. Like, yep. I, do I have enough to get back to? T- like, you have to leave yourself enough to like do everything in reverse to get out of there too. 
Uh, and it can really, really suck, man. Like that's the intimidating part of this game. Is it, it's all grinding. That's the whole game is grinding. The whole game well, is grinding. You're talking about save states. Now save states I've seen help in so many games. I don't know if save states is going to help you too much aside from like, uh, you know, am I at the end of this dungeon or not? Right. Uh, like that, that's about it because I was doing a dungeon and I'm like, Oh, I think I, you kind of get the sense that it's a giant square, right? So, and um, okay, I've seen the far wall, far north wall. I've seen the far east wall. I kind of know how big it is. Sure. And then I was going through it, and then you get to the end. It's like, oh, there's a stairs that go down, and there's another floor. And it's like, oh, I have to bail immediately. There's yeah. no point because yeah. I do not have. Is, uh, you're talking about like tents and all that kind of thing. Uh, another major thing, maybe it comes later on. Like I, I did not finish this game. I played a decent amount of it, but I, like, regaining magic points is pretty difficult. Do they have like ethers or anything like that later no, on in the game? No, magic points are worth their weight in gold. Like, we're, yeah. like they're valuable. And you're right, dude. Save states, like you can so easily soft lock yourself in this game. Yeah. And like, and I, and you know what? Now that I think about it, maybe that's why the save system works like it does, at least in the original version, where like you yeah. have to get back to town to save. It yes. won't let you save in a dungeon because you're right. You could get to those stairs like you mentioned and be like, oh, no, there's a second floor. So then you yeah. save. You use your save state and you're like, well, at least now if I die, I die. But if you don't have enough resources to get out of that dungeon and get back to town, the save matter. state is it worthless. It's yeah. worthless. And like you can't bank on just running away from every encounter you run into in this game because it doesn't let you run away very often. Like you get killed a lot in this game. A lot. And everyone that plays I... this game has multiple times will walk into a new era accidentally, run into a new enemy they've never seen and get fed their lunch and lose like an hour of progress. Everybody. And it now, sucks. Now, now this is something I got to ask you cuz I think I know the answer and I'm going to I'm going to uh, Say this, and then you can confirm or not whether or not this is true. Sure. Is it the case on the old NES version? Because I played on Switch. Yeah. Because you can kind of bail out of the game. Uh, it doesn't, and it kind of like resumes where you left off. Was it in the old game where, like, oh, you know, you're you're knee deep into the dungeon already, and then your mom calls you for supper, and you're like, oh no, I got to save. <laughs> Do you? In order to save the game and turn off the machine, do you have to just go all the way back out, I, uh, all all the way back to that initial town to save? If I remember correctly, yeah, you have to be like you have to go to like the town to save. So like, if you wanted Man. to save this game, like in the like, this was one of in those the, classic like turn the TV off, cover the red light, and hope that your palm and your your parents don't notice type thing. Maybe yes, I'm wrong because yes. I haven't played this in quite a while, but I'm. I'm 90% sure okay. that, yeah, you have to walk back and save. So. Yeah, because otherwise, why wouldn't you just do the thing where you shut? Okay, yeah, that, that's that's obvious. That's obviously the way it is. Could you imagine, though? That would be the – that's the worst. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude. That would – And, like – Oh, man. Like, and again, like, not that I – like, this is not a gaming historian podcast, but my understanding is that the Japanese ver version didn't even have saves. Like, it only had, like, passwords. So if you wanted to save, it was like you had to get uh you had to get somewhere to oh my god, uh yeah it says here you have to talk to you have to talk to a king to save. So if yeah. you're in a dungeon, tough tough cheese like there's no, there's no saving. Yeah. So it it like 
this game's a like to me if i'm like we'll get more into like because i want to get into the combat i want to get into the graphics i want to get into all that but like if you if you've never played this before and you decide to play because again i can't speak to like the newer versions like obviously on a switch you could put it to sleep anytime you want that's one yes. of the great things yeah. about a switch dude the, the switch is like the greatest place to play rpgs ever i love the switch <laughs> for rpgs but like if you're playing this on the original nes if you're playing the old school version like chunk like block out a chunk of time for this game and expect there to be nothing but grinding. This is the most ideal listen to a podcast or watch a movie while you play saw a video game ever <laughs> because like there's yeah. no story to talk about. You just, it's literally just walking around a town fighting the same four or five enemies until yeah. you have enough money to say or to buy equipment or you go back to town to recharge and save. Like there's yeah. nothing you don't have to worry about like a cutscene popping up or like a villain popping in and there's none of that. It's just walk around and random encounter, random encounter, random encounter. That's all it yeah. is. See, and, and all of these things, like it has all the aspects of you know, if you're sitting down to design the first RPG on a on a video game system. Uh, it does all the traps that in later video games they address because for instance, like uh, monster scaling, like it, uh, like the monster scaling and, uh, alongside of you so that they're always, uh, they're kind of a challenge for longer. Right. Uh, but they're also not as deadly as soon. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's not this weird, like huge step up between sections. There's a little bit of a, um, transition yeah. phase yeah uh but like there's that there's the aspect that this is very grindy like you cannot not grind you have to yeah yeah there's the aspect that you just have the one character with one character's uh you know set of you know you have like three options there's no strategy to this game even there it, it is just as i said resource management but it's not like Oh well, you do this, and then you set up that, and then whatever. You need multiple characters to do that, which is yeah. why you know, Final Fantasy coming later, where you have like different abilities, and you have to decide who's going to use their magic points when. And there's yeah. a little bit layer of that's when strategy comes in. This one is just guessing uh, about like, do I have enough uh, resource? Which I think is interesting. This is why it stands out to me. This is one of the things that I think. Um, I would love to see in more games is the idea of you can only take so much with you as opposed to Final Fantasy games where you could just have 200 items. Yeah, 99 like potions a, and stuff like I'm that. Out of control inventory. Like in this, it's just like, no, you're going to take things that you are going to use. You, yeah. You're yeah. not just going to have an arbitrary amount of. Uh, uh, of torches or uh, uh, potions, you have to decide how you're going to set up and go into this next dive. Yeah, um, to, like to me, the strategy aspect, because like you're right, it's like to me where the strategy comes in. It's not so much in the combat. To me, the strategy in this game is your inventory management, and it's deciding like when do you start hoofing it back to town to save? And the other thing, as you get later in the game, cause you mentioned like enemies don't scale, but there's clearly, clearly like tiers of enemies. Like yes, there's like, yeah. you're around your basic castle and you're fighting like the slimes and the, you know, the little, like I love the slime by the way, but you fight like <laughs> the basic enemies and then you get into the next area where maybe you run and I'm, and I haven't played it in years, so I can't remember the enemies, but maybe then you run to, to skeletons. Um, then you run into, yeah. um, 
you know, bats or whatever. And the enemies get bigger and bigger and bigger. And one of the decisions you have to make in this game is like, if you go into like, le like uh, area two, like that second tier of enemy, the, yeah. the, the amount of damage they do to you and the, and the frequency in which you need to go back to town to save goes up exponentially, but so do yeah. the rewards. So then you yes. have to decide, do you want to play it safe and just fight the same crappy little enemies that you can kill in one hit for two hours where you won't die, but it's going to take you forever. You can make that same progress in 30 minutes in the other area, but at a much bigger risk. Like it's a very risk reward game. I think that's more of the strategy than the actual combat itself. And I love it. Yeah, it's almost it's, like gambling. And I love that aspect. Yeah. I was going to say it's a, a little bit more like gambling. Cause that's the other thing. It's random encounters. It's not like you see the, it's yeah. like, uh, you know, Zelda two, where you can kind of see the monsters sort of be there. Yeah. This one, uh, is, yeah, you, you have no, it, you can fight, uh, a monster, yeah, move three squares, hit another monster. Like it, you have no idea. Yeah. Um, and that's that kind of thing. It is, it is, make, it does make it in, uh, interesting because you're right. If you're, you could take that slow way and making sure that you don't die, but it, it's kind of like, yeah, you, if you're going to make the best use of your time, you kind of got to go into that next tier maybe kill one of those monsters and then you know huff them back so you have a bigger you have a, a bigger chunk of change Th that's how it starts maybe buy upgrades yeah, yeah that's how it starts is you go into that new because eventually you have it's so it is it is like like your butt clenches man your ass clenches a bit when you go into a new area because you're like what's in here and then when the yeah. first the first enemy pops up and you're like okay, let's see how this goes. And like, sometimes yeah. you're like, oh, that wasn't so bad. And sometimes you're like, that thing wrecked me. But you you kill yeah. that one and you're like, okay, good enough. I'm getting the hell out of this area. I'm going back to save. Then I'll come back to this area, fight one more. But then maybe you gain a level and now you're like, well, now I can kill two of these things before I have to go back. And I think that's what hooks me because like maybe some people that are listening to this that have listened to my podcast before, like you hate grinding, you hate random encounters. And I especially yeah. hate random encounters. But there's something about how this entire game focuses around those things that makes it work for me and i love that risk reward feeling of going into a new area and like it is you never fight more than one enemy at a time yes, like it's yeah. always 1v1 which i really like because like you really do learn dude you hit to the point where you go into a new area and after you've been in there for a little while you're like i know it's probably going to take me three attacks to kill this thing and that thing is going to yes. hit me for 10 damage every time it hits me type thing yeah um and so you can yeah, really plan that as you go in. And I, I like that mechanic a lot. It's so basic that it allows for some strategy in it in that sense, uh, which I, I just, yeah, I, well, I, I love this stupid game. I love it. It, it does, like, yeah, it does feel like it is a different game than, uh, you know, Final Fantasy. Oh, uh, beyond, like, you know, obviously, similar themes, similar things happening, but this does feel like a different style of game, different style of approach. The fact that the flee option makes way more sense in this game. Like, I feel like flee is a viable option at points where oh, it's yeah. just like, oh no, I I am desperate. Like that last fight really did me in. I cannot take a hit. Yeah, you're fleeing, and you're just hoping that. 
you are faster than the monster yeah, yeah. In, in the turn order and you're just like flea becomes uh vital at points yeah like dude uh, in a normal final fantasy game like i use final fantasy 4 as my example because that's the one i know best but like i maybe run half a dozen times throughout that whole game like i'm like i'm i'm like and it's near the end of the game like i don't run in this game like you run all the time it almost going back to comparing it to gambling like it's almost like folding your hand at poker yeah. like you have to fold sometimes in this game or it's mm-hmm. not it doesn't matter there is no being a hero in this game because you don't have yeah. enough options you like if you're out of dude if you're out of healing items and you're out of magic and you've got like 10 hp left and the enemy you're fighting does 12 hp damage there's nothing you can do it's yeah. run or get game over you have no other options and yeah. Some would consider that a detriment. I kind of, again, getting back, like, I just, I, I think there's something kind of cool about the simplicity of it. Like, I, I like that idea a lot. Um, it, it, it does, it does change your, uh, what your typical, uh, role playing game, uh, you know, decision making is. Yeah. Is, I, I, I think that, I think as a curiosity about it, something like, um, yeah, like to kind of tip my uh, my hand about you know how I'm going to rate this later. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't think that this is uh, a, a like a great game. Like I feel like you could. There's so many others. Like this, where this thing is, I think this is an interesting curiosity uh, at this point. Where it's like uh, you, if you want to see like the roots of all other you know, video game role-playing games. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is an interesting one to look at. You can see like why some of the options that don't get used as often, such as flee or run or whatever, like what, why they are in there. Originally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, it, um, yeah. It, it, it's a kind of a, um, an element of its time and you can see where it's the the foundation for all the other games that come after it. Yeah. We covered Sonic on the show two weeks ago, the original Sonic, the hedgehog. And I was saying Mm -hmm. that like, to me, in my opinion, the original Sonic, the hedgehog is only really worth playing. If you kind of want to see where this thing started, like otherwise go to Sonic Two, skip the original. It's missing some of the mechanics. You're going to want stuff like that. And I kind of feel like that about this one too. Like I'll recommend this game at the end because I like it, but also because I'm like, this is kind of maybe not entirely ground zero for RPGs, but it's very close. Like this is the early, early days. So if you're like a gaming historian and you want to see where it started, then play this one. But um, Yeah. yeah, don't come into this expecting like the deepest RPG experience of your life. Because you're not gonna fight. You're not gonna for many reasons. Many reasons. Yeah. Because it's like since it's one of the first, it can literally do go rescue the princess still, and it's like oh, it's still kind of interesting. That's all I need. Yeah. Uh, And and that's where I wanted to get into because like we've talked about the combat and stuff, but like I mean the story is almost non-existent in this game. What I wanted to say is like I I I could not. I don't know if I could have beat this game without a walkthrough. Because it yes. really is very cryptic in where you have to go. Yes. And uh, some of the dungeons and the temples and the caves and stuff you go into. Oh, yeah. I meant to tell you, later in the game, you do get a spell that is like a permanent torch. 
which is like a god yes, glow yeah yeah yes. yeah like it's a godsend but like some of those temples and stuff like that like they are mazes and you've got to like you're on this giant overworld and you've got to figure out like oh i have to go get like this note or whatever and then i've got to take this note over here like yeah this game will not hold your hand it'll just expect you to walk around aimlessly until you figure out where you're supposed to go yeah because um, you know whereas like some games uh you know zelda the puzzles are like inherent to the room or whatever you have to solve the puzzle for this one room right or maybe the maybe a dungeon-wide puzzle um uh final fantasy sometimes has puzzles but it's usually contained to an area this puzzle is like the whole game map wide. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you don't know if it's like you need something from this little area or from this area or like where in it or do you need to talk to this person? It The whole thing is a puzzle, which uh, another reason why like this game is maybe not the best to play is like, oh, this is going to be a fun experience or whatever. Yeah. And- uh, yeah. And, and again, not to be a gaming historian, but like I very rarely do I talk about like the history of games and stuff like that. But like this game sold like shit in North America. And yeah. so they ended up giving it away to people that subscribe to Nintendo Power and they included a walkthrough <laughs> with it. <laughs> and that was like and it's and it's crazy because it makes me wonder, had they not done that, would this series have stuck in North America? Like, I wonder, because, like, that's what really helped to take off was people, like, them being like, hey, subscribe to our magazine. It's cheaper than buying the game, and we'll send you a walkthrough, and we'll send you this game to play. And then it suddenly makes a lot more sense. And I can imagine, like, if you're sitting there with a walkthrough, like, when I finally beat this game for the first time, I used a walkthrough, and I was like, oh, and I don't even think it's a, because the thing is, dude, like, and that's where, like, I usually hate using a walkthrough, but in this game, it kind of works. Because you still have to do the grinding and make the decisions on the risk reward part yourself. Yeah. That that mm-hmm. walkthrough will just tell you like, just FYI, the next dungeon you have to go to is a, down to the left and a little bit to the east type thing. Like, which yeah. will help you just from walking around. Like, because I think without a walkthrough, quite frankly, I think most people would just get frustrated and be like, "This is stupid. I'm just walking around blind. Like, this isn't fun." You know what I mean? Yeah, because I'm grinding in addition to not knowing where to go. So I'm, I'm just trying to find my way around and I get hit by random encounter, random encounter, random yeah. encounter. Like that's not, that's not those two things in combination. If you know where to go, like I'm thinking like a Pokemon game where it's like, I know where I'm headed. Right. Yeah. There's going to be random encounters, but at least I know where I'm going. It's not, not, not a mystery in a Pokemon game. Right. Whereas in this, it's like, I, I hope it's this way because I'm going to have to fight like, 30 things yeah if i'm going to set out in this direction and if you walk the wrong way you end up running into an enemy that'll kill you in one hit and you're just like oh man there goes 45 minutes of grinding because i accidentally turned the wrong way around a mountain and walked into a new area and got massacred like it like i'll I'll sit here right now and, and just straight up say play this with a walkthrough like you'll enjoy it better like you don't have to worry about having any story spoiled for you it'll just keep you on the right path um, yeah, well, well, and and to further say that, if you're like if you if you're trying to explore like uh, all the places that you you have been, seemingly doesn't have the answer in it. Although the answer might be you needed to talk to this person. Uh, you're like, well, maybe it's in the tougher area, and so you start wandering into this place that you're ill-equipped for, and then suddenly it's it gets out of hand. Yeah, and, and turns out 
you finally get to the end of that dungeon is like, no, this is actually not the place where you're supposed to be. You needed this. Yeah. Like, wow. Okay. Yeah. Like it, like the only thing this game is missing is the like, wah, wah, because you walk into the wrong <laughs> place and they're like, ah, nice try. Like save always. And yeah, use a, use a walkthrough because like the game does not help you at all. Um, Here, here's a question. Here's a question. Shoot. If, if it had the option to have like Navi, you know, from like Legend of Zelda, like Ocarina, where it's just like, look, it will help you. It will tell you where to go, but you do have to uh, hear that stupid uh, voice come up and, yeah, you know, Ugh. yeah. <laughs> would I use that would it? add another level of challenge to the whole game. I, dude, I, you know what? I would, I would mute the game and just find a walkthrough. I'd be like, I'm not, no, Navi, I'll take my chances. I'll take my okay. chances. I hate you. I hate that fairy so much. Oh, dude, you know what else I forgot? For sure. Sorry, you know what else I forgot? We've been talking about dying all the time. Oh, my yeah. God. When you die, you lose half of your gold. Yeah. Oh, that, well, that, that exists in some other games, too. But, yeah, this is this it's is, such it's a, a massive punishment lot. in this game because the whole game is about getting gold. Like, ah. Yeah. Oh. Gold is fundamental. Yeah, and losing half your gold is... Oh, I lost the last hour of progress. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. I totally forgot that. But you know what though? Um, on and that note though, is, when I go back to, is, oh, sorry. when I when I go back to town and I spend all my money, like say I'm done, like I bought new armor and I healed or whatever, and I have like twenty gold left. Uh, I'll go out and like I'm like, all right, I am gonna I am gonna push my limits here because I'm like I have nothing to lose if I die. I don't really give a crap. Like I'll go out and and swing for the fences. Um, but I totally forgot about that. Like this, this game, I like this. I should not like this game. Like this is the type of stuff that I bitch about with RPGs all the time. I should hate this fucking game. There's just something I, it's, I guess it's the nostalgia is a powerful jug. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's the only reason I fucking like it. Cause that's bullshit. You don't like, you could be out there dude. You need to save up 2000 gold to buy that new gold armor. And you're at like 1980, but then you accidentally trigger one more fight, die. And you just lost a thousand gold. Or you can reload your save where you were at a thousand gold. And it's like, yeah. what a load of shit. What a terrible, I, I totally forgot about that. That's going to cost it points when we score this game. What a load of shit. <laughs> that point that fucking gold penalty is suck my ass fuck you that is not fair and i'm sorry i'm done fucking garbage <laughs> fuck well i think what's also interesting because like i'm thinking about the big differences uh between this and the multi like i, I the thing that uh. i can change today is like one person versus having a team of three that goes out into the field right it's just like yeah, you. If you go down, that's it. You lost all that stuff, and I, I feel that's why I think I could see why you would enjoy this because you don't have to consider a, a pile of dynamics. Yeah. Whereas with a team of three, you're like you. You feel like you should be able to figure out or you're supposed to be able to figure out how to manage it with three people right. between like, okay, well you should be using this character this way, this character that way. Theoretically I should be. And, and when you die in the, those games, you feel like kind of stupid. Yeah. And this, since it's just one character, the decisions are way easier to make or the, the, the calculations are way easier. Yeah. So it is. That's why it's like, I think this game would be great for 
kids sure. uh, who are maybe just getting into this stuff and might like, you know, stream along to something uh, better. Yeah. <laughs> so b- before you can start going into the games with multiple characters, and, more, more things going on, more dynamics. Yeah. And on that note, like the thing I hate the most about RPGs as a whole is every time I get to a new town and I have a, if I have a party of like five people or whatever like like that this is why as as great as final fantasy 6 is i'll never like it more than final fantasy 4 and the reason for that is because i hate having to equip a dozen people like i hate dealing with everyone's equipment i hate that part in any rpg even some of my favorite rpgs of all time the reason i like super mario rpg so much is because everybody has two items and there's only five characters to worry about it's their weapon and their armor and i'm done Whereas, like, I hate having to deal with everyone's loadouts. Every time I get into a town, I'm like, here comes 20 minutes of boring inventory management and selling stuff and buying stuff. And, like, and that's what I like about this game is you get into town and it's basically like there might be two or three weapon and item or, or, or pardon me, weapon and armor options. And clearly, the more expensive they are, the better they are. How much do you want to grind? And I like that. I like that's. I think that's really. I kind of never thought of it until you said it. I think that's what tickles my fancy with this game is the lack of inventory management that I hate yes. having to do so much in other games. Because I was talking about resource management. This game definitely has resource management, which it is does. your hit points, your yeah. magic points, your gold, uh, and like inventory slots, which I think is huge too. Because the thing is, with some games with huge inventories. Or like the idea of like, uh, this sword is good against th- these kind of enemies. Yeah. But you better have your other sword in case you run into those kind of enemies. Yeah. And so it's just you just have each character has half a dozen weapons that you're kind of maintaining. This one is just like, look, there's no point in keeping your old sword. So sell it. So yeah. You can get the new exactly. One. You never uh, need to carry so, more than one. Yeah. Oh. Because it, it does. It literally does not help you. And you can only carry like I, it's like eight items or whatever. Yeah. And that's yeah. I think that that's the thing I would love to see more. As I said earlier, just force me to you know uh, manage these limited amount of item slots. You know, that's uh, make me decide what is more valuable as opposed to like I might need this later. Yeah. No. 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 Dude, you will need everything. Every every slot. Every Final Fantasy game I've ever played, like when I start getting a little bit of money, I always buy like five gold needles, five maiden's kisses, Mm -hmm. and I never use those things ever. But I always buy them like, oh, just in case. And then I never fucking need them. But you're right. You can be so frivolous because you've got this magical, I don't know, backpack or something that you can fill with three trillion items. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's... I again, it just it all comes down to the simplicity of this game, and that's what I like about it. Uh, yeah. The other thing I wanted to touch on before we get to scoring this thing, and now you play mm-hmm. the Switch version, and I've looked at pictures yep. of the Switch version, and it looks mm-hmm. nice. I just wanted yep. to say the NES version of this game, it looks kind of. I mean, obviously, it's very primitive. It's a mid '80s NES game. The overworld mm-hmm. and all that looks very primitive. But you know what mm-hmm. I think looks phenomenal in this game is when you trigger a battle and it goes to that first person view. And there's just yeah. that one enemy looking at you standing in whatever background you're looking in. Um, mm-hmm. I I think, frankly, that's a little ahead of its time. Like, I think that looks really... I think it really adds a bit of immersion. As is you're the one hero and you just came across an enemy and you're looking right at the slime or the skeleton or whatever. 
Um, yeah, it's a it's a POV shot. Yeah, kind of I'm yeah. a big fan of that art style. Like, I think of Earthbound mostly when I think of that kind of art style. But to do mm-hmm. it in a game that's like you know 10, 15 years before Earthbound on the NES, and it actually looks like I'm looking at a picture on the Wikipedia page right now of you battling a blue slime. Uh, yeah. And it actually like I'm like, dude, for like a mid '80s NES game, this looks really good. Like I well, really it, like that art a lot. That that was a, that was a great des- uh, design choice because like as I've been playing on the Switch, I can tell where they've updated some graphics and what what are kind of like oh this is probably how it was mm-hmm. uh, uh, in certain sprites. Like a lot of the character sprites are kind of redone for the the Switch. You can kind of tell because they're not as blocky, but then the background is completely blocky, like very pixelated. Sure. And um, but yeah, that POV shot uh, of the monster seen in front of you, adding like where you can see the expressions and like the details in it, it it's really taking that weakness of the NES and finding a way around it. Just like how uh, uh, Punch Out yes. does that. Yeah. The whole thing that why Punch Out has such great characters and like uh, makes you attached to them is you can see all the detailing on them by making them super huge yeah. and they just take up your whole field of vision so you can kind of see uh, you know get attached to them if they were just like the sprites that you would see say in Final Fantasy games where it's just like they're tiny little things and you can kind of like tell what they are yeah. but they they do look like a collection of pixels um there, there's something lost there that, that I do see why uh, that was a great choice for them to make uh, and, and giving the game more personality, especially because again, going back to the fact that it's a one, you're a one character party. It really yeah. like, it, this is, might be a stretch of a comparison, but like in a slight way, it's almost like an NES Skyrim. Like you're out there just by yourself and then you come across these enemies and it really feels like it's you versus that one enemy. You're not controlling yeah. a team that you're not like, like when I play like a, a, like even the original Final Fantasy, like you don't feel like you're one of those four characters. You feel like you're just like the overseer controlling these four characters against those guys. Yeah. In Dragon Warrior, it feels like, oh, it's me versus this slime or it's me versus yeah. this skeleton. And I, I, it feels like the stakes are higher almost, which I really like. And on that note, just quickly, I just want to shout mm-hmm. out like, dude, the slime in Dragon Warrior, Dragon Quest, whatever, maybe. Is that the RPG equivalent of the Goomba as far as like, uh, like legacy and like just iconic status? Like I have such a hard on for the slime in Dragon Quest. I love this little. I just love that little blue slime. He looks like a like a Hershey's kiss, but with that big smile on his face. I just yeah, lo- yeah. I love the slime enemies. I love them so much. I just wanted to shout them out. Like they're, I, like I wish there was a slime amiibo. I would buy a slime amiibo, if there was one. I, I can believe that. Yeah, yeah. They're awesome. There's, uh, like, I, I think most of the monsters in this game are very um, detailed and like look great. They look really you know, the good. Skele- the skeletons look like classic D&D skeletons. Like, yeah. You know, what you would picture in your brain of like, if I'm going to fight an animated skeleton, this is what it looks like. Yeah, yeah. And um, so, yeah, I, I think there is this game has that ability to have um to stand out yeah i i'm just thinking if it was if they did not have that this game would just feel a little bit 
um, you're like separated from it a, yes. a bit more. Yeah. Like it, it gives it humanity to a certain degree. Yeah, yeah. agreed. Mm-hmm. Um, I like I can't believe we got 52 minutes out of this game. Like considering that like there's not a lot to talk about in this game, dude. We did um, duck hunt for like an hour. That's true. Yeah, we did. We did do duck hunt for like an hour. I just listen. Like, I I shouldn't like this game. I don't know why I like this game so I'm much. I'm surprised you do actually. I, yeah, I, I am like... too. But I just I don't know what it is about it. I just have such I have such a soft spot in my heart for this game. I almost don't want to play any other Dragon Quest game. I almost want to just be like, no, this is my one, and it's the best one, and the rest of them suck. And I know they don't. Don't yell at me. But I just I just really, really love this game for some reason. I don't know why. Everything about it should piss me off. But I love this stupid game. I, I bet there's going to be people that recommend you should play, give this one a, a try or something like that. But I, I from what I can recall, like this, the offshoot of it, it, it's, it is a lot more. They take on some more of the aspects that you see in Final Fantasy over the yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. They... Listen, they're like from what I understand, Dragon Quest Eleven is like a masterpiece. I yeah. just before everyone writes in telling me to play more Dragon Quest games, I don't want to play any more RPGs. I have like three more on my plate right now as it is, and I'm RPG'd out. I don't want to play any more damn RPGs. So I don't they, they, I don't they are a grind. It's it's such an investment to play an RPG. It yeah. is, yeah. yeah. Um Okay, so then boy oh boy, how the hell do we score this damn thing? Um I think there's eleven Dragon Quest games, isn't there? Let's go with that. There's 11 mainline Dragon Quest games. I'm going to look that up before everyone yells at me. Dragon Quest. I'm looking it up right now so that nobody gives me hell when I'm like, oh, there's 12 or whatever. Uh, Dragon Quest 1, 2, 3, 4. Yes. No, there. Oh, damn it. Oh, no. To be announced. Dragon Quest 12. Okay. So we're going with 11. There's 11. So let's do that. David, if you were going to score the original Dragon Warrior slash Dragon Quest out of 11, and this is a hard one to score in 2022. What would you score this game? Well, like usual, uh, I'm going to give it two ratings. Yeah, no, that's good. I, I think if it was playing this back when it came out, yeah, I think it, it's up there. I think there is something unique about this versus you know Zelda, which would have been out at around the same time. Even Final Fantasy that maybe comes a little bit later because I uh, the gameplay is separate. Yeah, that you know it probably is probably around a seven or an eight if you're talking about 1986 when this thing came out. Yeah, it, it's going to be up. Uh, oh, right, we're out of eleven. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like an eight or a nine, you know, okay. an eight point five. Let's go like uh, somewhere there in the development of nine. Okay. Um, and then uh, in terms of now, I think it does go back. If you have interest in seeing the history of some of these things, if you if you, that's interesting to you, there's like the curiosity of it. Um, uh, the novelty of old games. Uh, I think it could, you know, I, I think it's interesting. Maybe around a six. Sure. But if you're like wanting a cool role playing uh, thing, oh, that this is like a two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. No. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, many games have come after it to do better, but I did find it interesting. Like that's the thing. I like watching old games and like, oh, I see where everything came from now. Sure. Yeah. yeah, like, because I love it, 
I'm giving it a 9 out of 11 because I love it. This is like my Bart versus the Space Mutants of RPGs. I know it's not very good, but I love it. If you've never played this game and you're listening to this, you're like, I'm going to give this a shot now. I could imagine it's like a 5 or a 6. Like, it is not a great game. It's history is what it is. This is like, it's not like easy, listen. It's not easy, it's not easy to, uh, to defend, but subjectively that's really what these ratings are right exactly like if like ratings are subjective like i would tell a platformer fan that's never played super mario brothers that i'm like super mario brothers is like a nine out of ten today play it you'll love it i can't say that about this if you're a big jrpg (laughs) fan but you've never played this game i recommend trying it for the historian's sake but like you're not gonna be like oh my god that's the greatest game i ever played but i just it's so weird. It's I should not like this game, and I love this stupid game for some reason. So I can hear the music in my head that's probably playing, um, like a nine out of eleven. I love it. I love it. Um, so David, thank you for for uh, indulging me and talking Dragon Warrior. I really appreciate it. And yeah, uh, no b- before I cue up some music and flip it over to the outro, uh, you stay pretty busy on your own right these days. So uh, yep. the information will be in the in the in the uh, description of this podcast. But tell people where they can find more of your uh, your jabbering if they want to listen to more of your jabbering. <laughs> uh, the best thing you can probably check out is Quantum Kickflip, uh, which is uh, an actual play podcast of a, uh, an upcoming role playing game called Slug Blaster. It's being developed here in Edmonton, and uh, we got the chance to play it in advance. And we've made a whole kind of uh, narrative uh, podcast uh, delving into the lives of these kids going into other dimensions to pull off weird stunts and everything and uh, we're, we're coming up on our uh, season finale which is uh, going to begin on June 22nd we're, so we're coming towards the end of uh, you know wrapping up some of these storylines and uh, yeah I, I'm really proud of it I'm very you know I've done a lot of things over the years and I feel like to do an, you know, an improvised role-playing game kind of a story is uh, not always easy. And I think we did pretty good with it. And it's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, So you can find us on like, you know, Facebook and uh, uh, Instagram and all that kind of thing. You can go to our website, which is just quantumkickflip.com. And, you know, you can uh, also find us on all your normal podcasting uh, apps. Hell yes. And I'll have his information in the description of this podcast. I know for a fact there are members of our community that are big fans of Quantum Kick Flip. And I almost assure you it's far more professionally done than my podcast is. So I recommend <laughs> checking it out. Uh, I'm I'm always impressed with Rob. And the thing that I'll highlight uh, for, for video game players especially is uh, Robin, he makes music for each episode as we go into a, a new dimension or whatever he makes music specifically for it and it often sounds like the super nintendo version of like uh you know cyberpunk music or nice. it, it sounds like it should be in a Mega Man game uh oh, and and yeah. and every once in a while i'll throw him a curveball where it's just like uh, i like to throw montages at him and you know i'm kind of um uh, uh you know, a rocky kind of a character. So, of course, I threw at him at one point uh, Punch-Out using the Punch-Out music, and I kind of sang it, and he took my my uh, mumblings and my hummings, and he was able to turn it into a song that sounded a lot like Punch-Out without, uh, you know, 
actually using the music because we don't want to get in trouble. But of course, yes, I, yeah, only 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 idiots use actual video game soundtracks in their podcasts and risk getting in a lot of trouble for it. <laughs> only the dumbest of the dumb. And with that said, I'm going to use that to cue up the Dragon Quest soundtrack to end this podcast. Uh, David, listen, buddy, it was great chatting with you. Thank you, uh, thank you so much for doing this. No problem. That's going to do it for this week's episode. David, thank you so much for giving me a call and talking Dragon Warrior. And of course, to every single one of you nerds listening to this right now, whether this is your first episode of Remember the Game, maybe your 194th. Thank you so much for the support. Thank you for taking us a chance. And thank you for making us the number one video game podcast in Canada as officially ranked on the fucking Apple podcast charts. Suck it. Whoever the fuck is in number two at the time that we were at number one, fuck yeah. Uh, if you like the show and you're like, this does not suck, maybe leave us a nice review on your podcast service of choice. Give us those five stars. I'm not sure what they do, but it's my job to ask for them. And if you're like, man, I can't get enough of this guy's voice, maybe consider supporting us on Patreon. Uh, subscriptions start at just $2 US a month. You get two additional podcasts every week, every Thursday and Friday, instant access to about 200 additional ones. And then we got all kinds of other perks depending on what level you want to sign up. When you can join our Discord, Discord, where there's like 400 or 500 members and they're really nice and they're always getting games and video games together like it's really cool it's just a fucking great place it's one of the last non-shitty places available on the internet patreon.com slash remember the game plus don't forget five percent of every patreon pledge every month gets donated to the stollery children's hospital so you're doing some good for the kids too uh, I also have a P.O. box. You can find that address at rememberthegamepodcast.com. If you're interested, no big gifts. Just show me a postcard or a letter, something little. Let me know where you're listening. I'll send you one back. We'll be friends. Uh, and please don't forget to check me out on Twitch. I stream over there Tuesday nights and then just whenever I can get on. Your best bet is to just throw me a follow. It's completely free. I don't beg you for donations or subs. You can just come hang out, see my stupid nose, and we can talk about video games. Go to twitch.tv and look for member the game, not remember the game member the game fuck whoever has remember because i can't have it and that's it that's all your plugs i'm going to do some shout outs and get out of here thank you so much for the support everybody we'll be back next week with remember the game number 195 which is going to be one of our revisited series and if all the stars align and by stars i mean we get the podcast recorded this week like we're supposed to uh we may or may not be looking back at a little known game called final fantasy 7 but that's next week that's this that's not today that's next week thanks for listening everybody i'll talk to you all again later cheers goodbye Remember the Game is brought to you by our Patreons. I could not churn out all the content I produce every week without all of your support. The following people are subscribed at our Senior Executive Vice President level or higher at patreon.com slash rememberthegame. And as such, I am contractually obligated to scoop a bunch of their names and say thank you. So a huge thank you to... Makeshift, Mallow Money, Joe Buck, Sharonic, Andre, Keegs in a Stupid Arrow Handle, James Clark, Dave McGee, DNA Gaming, Slick Rick, Doug Doran, Charlie Medeiros, Andrew Wright, Jordan, The Good Enough Gamer on YouTube, Fraser Burns, Lil Bunny Fufu 89, Angry Ticks, Dave Thompson, No One Cares, Brandon O'Brien, Aaron Lawson, Matt McLean, Nathan Tremblay, Morgan, Zane Donovan, Ryan Kinchin, Mike Maloney, Very Cool Dude, G9PSX, Raging Demon, Wolfgang Darren, Sam Wright, Andy Hudson, Chris Copland, Wolf Magic 21, Johnny CCDC, Titan 420, Zonko 5. 
Adam Farah, Russell Aldridge, Jeff Bergeron, Captain N, Game Nomad Misi, Daniel, Tunable Power, Tom Danks, John Woodruff, Just a Fish, Noob Q, Super Dad Bros Podcast, Denzalo, Holmes, Zach Shepard, Ballsack Teabagger, Chris Dickin, Matthew D'Amico, Frosty Feet 492, Chris Larkin, Austin Cook, Elijah Burns, Stephen Parnell, Dockabai, Ray San Juan Tongo, Zach Coiner, DBXJ, Jameer Williams, Steve Dalk, Phil McCracken, Trav H, Mizuru, David Marcus, Phil Lencher, Ruben Elizald, Eric James, Riley Turvey, C-Spin, Thomas Smith, Nicola, Munch Makuchi, Leroy Westrich, Dark Squall, Jerry the 3D Printed Sawstrich, Paul Burke, Evolva, Sean Ramos, Boston Porksword, Mad Max, Stud Still Smash, Mojo the Helper Monkey, Solid Rake, Brant Hewitt, Gabe, Dan Fuselman, Aaron Mitson, Decoy Man, John Jameson, Wyatt, the surgeon who's not a surgeon, Roe, Tyler Nightmare, Dixon Cider, <laughs> I get it, Benjamin Swiller, Creature Club, Pet My Peeve Podcast, Tristan Teen the Great, Esteban Navarro, Jim, Josh Stone, and Chris Williams. Holy fuck, that's the best one I've ever done. Thank you all so much for the support. I really, really appreciate it. Take it easy, everybody. Purple Monkey Dishwasher. That ought to hold those SOBs. Beep. <laughs>